And the 2-0 pitch. Call strike one right through on the inside corner. Two balls and one strike. Plenty of sunshine here now. Outfielders with sunglasses in left and center. And also in right. It's a bright day. And a high sky. And the pitch is swung on and fouled away. Back home plate in foul territory. Count now two balls and two strikes with two outs. Welcome to the BBA Today, your podcast that covers events around the Brewster Baseball Association every day with your host, Yellow Springs 9 General Manager, Ron Collins. And now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode uh, 9, I think this is, episode 9 of the BBA Today uh, daily podcast where we touch on something having to do of interest around the around the league. Today I am really excited. I've got the general manager of the Atlantic City Gamblers with us today, Joshua Biddle. Thank you so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate getting the opportunity to talk with you again. Thanks for having me on. Uh, the Gamblers, um, I wouldn't say that they are exactly a um, total surprise. I think the media guy had had you at about 500 kind of a kind of a team, but you're 26 and 21, so you're kind of in this, the, the fans have got to be uh, looking at you as kind of a gentle feel-good story, if nothing else. What are your thoughts about uh, the uh, Gamblers' start on the year? I think I think what you said is certainly fair. Fans are definitely excited just with all the young talent we have, uh, especially, obviously, on the offensive side. Um, yeah, I mean, we're right now in a lot of offensive categories. You know, number one in runs scored, number one in home runs, so it's an exciting team with some pop. You know, the pitching, obviously, for years has been an issue, so we just try to make one offseason addition a year towards the pitching, hoping that, it can get a little bit closer to league, league average and have the offense hopefully carry us and the pitching be okay enough to at least make some sort of run at it. So that's where we are at the moment. Uh, Joshua Biddle, the general manager, I would say um, reputation within the uh, BBA universe, right? Fans and other general managers and so forth. Kind of a behind-the-scenes quiet guy, not putting out a ton of team newses, not massively interacting, but always consistent, always steady. You rarely seem to field a really bad team. The last couple of years, you've been coming out of a soft rebuild. Um, in talking with with the Charm City general manager Brendan Slock uh, yesterday, and on occasion. We'll kind of hear, well, Joshua always has like this one big contract and the rest are just kind of, yeah, there's always something going on, right? How do you look at the use of the draft and the use of free agents and international free agents? Um, what's your kind of mode of operation in the in the sense of building a team? Um, I would say it's something I certainly haven't mastered to a degree. I feel like the really successful teams you know, tend to be more, much more active in the trade market than I am and much more active in international free agency. And part of the international free agency goes towards what, what some of the conversation has been about ticket sales and, you know, basically how um, OOTP is basically as much a financial sim as it is a baseball sim. So um, one thing that I definitely messed up on when I first took over is basically uh, – demolish the finances. Our budget was, I think, $120 million when I took over. 
uh, and it massively shrunk to about 110 million. I think is where we bottomed out. It may have been 108, um, but you know when you lose the budget, that obviously will hurt you in terms of being able to be in play for some of the larger international free agents. So that's something that's almost had to be, be on the back burner other than a few budget guys that you pick up for about a million, which for us, Stuart Illingworth ended up being one who's emerged big time. And he was just one of those $1 million mediocre when we signed him international free agents that bumped a bit. So our focus mainly has been through the draft. And that's, re- that's really been how we build them. And part of that's just pure luck. I mean, there's plenty of people in this league who know how to draft pretty much everybody. And, you know, sometimes you, you take the guy on paper who looks really good at the time and they lump into oblivion. And there's really not a lot of foresight you can have towards that unless they were lumping prior to drafting or something like that. There you go. Yeah, uh, Illingsworth, you mentioned uh, IFA is kind of a fixture in left field right now as a young kid. Um Recently, there's been you know a big story around the, the 38 draft, and certainly the the 2038 draft uh, brought the Gamblers three really key pieces, and maybe four because I see you've got Jose Valentin back up. You know, obviously Juan Rivera is the superstar, and we can't ignore Juan Rivera at all. <laughs> uh, Ernesto Gonzalez came, uh, third baseman came out of that draft, and Randy Bader came out of that draft. So there's kind of uh, at least three, and if Valentin turns into the beast that he looks like he could, that's four big pieces. But uh, in right field, you've moved Miller, Young- Miller Younger out of center and into right as Juan Rivera came in, and, and Younger came in in the 1937 draft. You've got Keith Dean at second base that came out of your 1934 draft. Bradley Sheen, I think, is uh, he's, he's a rookie now, right? He's the first year Correct. at shortstop. Came out of the he 1936 came... draft. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, your veteran Adrian Salazar is a homegrown kid uh, out of the 19 uh, uh, the 2030 draft. Uh, so at 28 years old, you must have been like six when you drafted him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think you build a. It looks like you build a lot through the draft, and I'm wondering whether that's a uh, whether that's just something you like to do, or whether that has been uh, a requirement because of the financial issues that you talked about before. I think it's kind of both. I definitely prefer to have more of the homegrown guys, um, and but it's also part because I just don't know that we had a lot of capital to trade really, where you could get pieces that can become core pieces in the future really the only one you know in our starting lineup with randy bader we acquired him from vegas it was like a deadline deal for reese wareham um in 2039 so he's really the only piece that's sort of external to the organization but i think it's more circumstances kind of dictated that's sort of how it had to go but i think it is tough to consistently build solely on the draft just because there's luck involved and how the players develop of course I just happened to get lucky. Then we look at your at your pitchers. Your big acquisition last year, uh, last offseason, was Kevin Rallis, and he's uh, doing fine. Uh, it looks like uh, you've got Thiongo Amir was a scouting find. That's kind of interesting. Chet Parrish was a free agent two years ago, I think, and he's been okay. Augusto Moran, uh, where, let's see, he came out of a trade. And right now you seem like you're kind of rotating out of that fifth um, fifth rotation slot. Uh, am I reading that right? Just yes. The stats, it looks like you're like you're swapping people in and out. Yes, yes. Um, it doesn't seem like the gamblers have been as successful in growing homegrown pitchers. So uh, talk to me about your 
perspective there. You really don't have any super bad contracts right now. I mean, when you came into the into the league way back in the early days, you made the big splash by <laughs> by picking up a couple of thirty million dollar pitchers, and you rode those out. Maybe that's part of the financial problems you got yourself into. I'm not sure. I think you also had another couple contracts there. But I look at your finances going forward, and they look like they're really stable. So maybe you could roll us through the way you think about building your pitching staff into how um, how does how does the finances relate in that fashion? Yes. So really, with the starters, like you said, Amir and Moran are uh, at least two pitchers, young pitchers that we finally have, who I think have a shot to at least be positive contributors to the starting rotation. They won't, you know, to me necessarily be at the top of the ERA leaderboards or anything like that, but they're they're probably stable enough that we can get by with them. So it's nice to at least finally have a base of at least a couple starters um, that we can kind of rely upon who came up from the minors. Because like you said, pitching has been um, one thing that we have failed to develop time and time again. I, I remember... I think it was Ted who was saying one time on a one podcast that like he can't develop hitting like hitters at all. And I guess he just consistently cranked out great pitchers. And I'm just thinking uh, it's the complete opposite for me. I've been fortunate with the hitters we drafted developing and almost every pitcher I, or at least starting pitcher that I, that I'm excited when I draft them and when they progress to the minors, they usually do fine and then just come to the majors and bomb. So with that, now that we have those two, I was thinking, well, we need to hit the free agent market to bring in pitchers. And you always know with how free agency is in the league um, that you're going to be paying a lot for them in all likelihood. We've avoided the bigger ticket guys just because they're kind of priced out of our range. Um, so we kind of went for more of the mid-tier guys who have had some semblance of success, um, giving them sort of a higher first-year contract, and then we can kind of knock down the AAV for the subsequent years and just hoping that kind of buys time until hopefully we can draft a pitcher that can actually um other than amir and moran that can hopefully develop and come up and we have i feel like in triple a a decent number of kind of like quad a pitchers that like you said we're cycling through sort of the number five spot at the moment and just trying to find the best uh the best fit for us tanaka has been someone who has been okay at least one year in the past so he's kind of right now going to get get the shot for that well, right now the Gamblers are at heart a exciting a young team. Look like you're going to be able to keep the band together financially for at least another maybe two years before things might start to get a little bit uh, sticky. Uh, Rivera is getting into his arbitration years, and so you look out past about three years, and you can see this team starting to get pretty expensive, as young teams tend to do. Have you spent any time thinking about... Um, you know, two, three, four years down the road and what players you're thinking you'd like to be able to hold on to and what juggling you might have to do around uh, financially driven decisions? Haven't made any uh, hard decisions yet or anything, but it is, yes, in the back of uh, my mind. I have looked at the, you know, just the kind of the project salary projection um, a bit down the road and still having to pinpoint you know, which players are going to have to do the core pieces. Obviously, Rivera, we hope, will be a gambler for a very long time. But, you know, uh, the other thing is, you know, I feel like we have a pretty good a number of solid outfield prospects. So um, yeah. even though the outfield is looking good now, you know, the question is, is it the best allocation of resources to put a bunch of money into player all of the players in the outfield when you have sort of that depth and that those cheap options, assuming they continue their proper development? 
So there's there's still decisions to be made. And then I think back to the Stanley Paramotor era where he had the one hit wonder year and then just lumped into oblivion. So it's like I can't I can't bring myself to say every every our outfield is totally set for even this year. I just want to make sure it stays steady from last year before I jump to any conclusions. Yeah, and you don't need to make any uh, any major decisions uh, two years, three years in the future, but it's always interesting to think about. Last question before I let you go for the day. Prediction, will the gamblers take the Atlantic? Are the gamblers real enough to make it happen this year? I mean, I don't think we're going to win the division. Um, I'd just be happy if we can make a, you know, uh, get in as a wild card. That's sort of the goal right now. Um, I'm surprised we are only a game and a half back, but uh, the, the division's, you know, to me, very talented at the top, and then... I still don't think you can totally. Obviously, Rockville has been a you know the juggernaut in the division for years, and I know they're five game or you know they're under 500 right now, but you can't write them off. Uh, Brooklyn always can do really good things with just the way he plays the strategy, so you can't really rule him out completely. I mean, I you know I don't think his I, I'm not as familiar with the team rosters of some of the other teams in the division, but you know Brooklyn I think is probably close to on the rise, and and their their GM knows what he's doing, so. And then Charm City, I know, has been disappointing to start, but that was a team that was very competitive last year, and he's another GM who you can't rule out. So we're holding steady in third right now, but um, there's a lot of work to be done to even be in the wild card conversation. All righty. Well, thank you for your time this morning, Joshua. I definitely appreciate it. Good luck to the gamblers, and uh, hope to uh, see a rambunctious and fun end to the season this year. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me. This is fun. You've been listening to the BBA Today, a podcast that covers the Brewster Baseball Association every day. Music is bold statement available at fesleyandstudios.com and used with attribution. Be safe and well, and we will hear you again tomorrow. <laughs>